0: So my favourite coffee shop in all of York is Spring Espresso. Uh, Particularly Spring Espresso Fosgate. Good nods like that. Uh, Spring Espresso Fosgate is better than Lendl because it's got a bigger menu choice, so you've got more of a pancake stack options, that sort of thing. I'm a big fan. And uh, Spring Espresso is my favorite uh, coffee shop for a number of reasons. Like I mentioned, sorry and Brownie, you're too expensive. Your pancakes are too much. Spring's better value. So Spring's better for me, and the best coffee shop, and sorry Burr as well. That's not even a discussion, is it? I'm afraid? (laughs) (laughs) So Spring Espresso, in my opinion, uh, it's the best coffee shop in York for a number of reasons. So firstly, it has the best coffee in York. I love its coffee, square mile. Uh, secondly, its loyalty card only needs eight stamps to get free coffee. So psychologically, eight is just better than ten. It just, it just, it just makes me happy. Uh, it's also the site of my first date with my now fiancé. Uh, so, so that's another reason why it's a bonus for me. Uh, and spring espresso also is actually site of quite an embarrassing moment for me Uh, so I went for coffee last November with a guy called JJ at Spring Espresso and JJ um, works for this uh, movement across Europe called Burn 24-7 so they run a whole lot of like prayer and worship nights and like mission stuff all across Europe and he's the kind of guy that's like he's proper full-on Christian you know he's like he had like big hair and he's like a big presence you know and he's in the room he just got back from a mission trip to Prague where he prayed for people and they'd like got healed from being on crutches and in wheelchairs and he's like full-on out there nutty guy like proper encouraging to be around and properly challenging for me because I'm like, I kind of want some of what he's got. So we hung out. We talked a lot about the prophetic, what it means to hear from God, what it means to get words and encouragement for people. Uh, so he said, let's test it out today in Spring Espresso. And um, if you're like me and you've been in Spring Espresso quite a while and you even actually kind of nearly on first name terms with Stephen Tracy, the owners of Spring Espresso, uh, who, by the way, drive a 2017 plate Mercedes A-Class. So Spring Espresso is doing well. That's the car they drive. It's a bit daunting to have a word of knowledge, as we say in the Christian world, an encouragement, as you would say, outside of the church for someone in Spring Espresso. But we tried it with our barista. We tried sharing some things that we thought God might be saying to her. And we tried this first word. We came up to her and she went, no, that's no, just no. It's okay fine no mind tried a second thing like just think God's saying this he loves you she's like no I don't think he does it's not real we're like okay cool it's not going well um maybe he's got like a good plan for your life she's like no he still doesn't exist so probably not I was like okay fine you know getting hum- more humbled by the moment uh, so then I said well you know I could if you want you can like come along to my church like we meet just up the road we'll meet tomorrow 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 afternoon it was a Saturday she's like no I don't want to do that Cool, okay, bye. <laughs> and then we just walked out and it was really awkward and it just didn't work. And I basically just completely failed at inviting someone to church, completely failed at sharing what God had, really embarrassed myself. And um, just want to say that's totally okay for all of us here. And as we talk about the year of invitation, probably quite a lot of you haven't actually invited anyone to church this year. Probably quite a lot of you have had quite a few no's. Um, my job is student worker here, as Rosie mentioned. So professionally speaking, I've invited a lot of people to church. Personally speaking, I've not invited any of my friends this year to G2. So I've failed the year of invitation. We haven't got a ranking system, but if we did, I'd be at the bottom, so I apologize for that. So I also think that we don't need to feel any embarrassment about this. We don't need to feel any pressure or fear or expectation to like nail this thing. So today I want to kind of set us free from some of the fears around the year of invitation and give us a bit of a kind of a culture set and a vision for what it means. So Year of Invitation. For those of you who don't know, uh, we started it in the kind of first week of January this year. We had Miriam speaking at both services, and a Year of Invitation is basically this kind of this concept, this idea that in 2018, G2 we're going to really go for it with inviting people to church, inviting people into our life, uh, sharing meals with people, uh, hanging out with people, that sort of thing, doing community really well, stuff like the hubs we saw earlier. Uh, stuff like having people on this Sunday gathering we really want to do do that well get people involved in what we're doing welcome them into our family get them into our vision of helping people discover and follow Jesus so that's what the year of invitation is all about and uh, today like I said we're going to kind of challenge you a bit on this we're going to encourage you and hopefully you will feel like you have more of an idea about what the Yev invitation is and how you can be a part of it so we're going to read from the book of Ezekiel 47 and uh, this is a passage all about a uh, it's a vision that Ezekiel has, this kind of crazy prophet dude, a bit like JJ, my friend from Burn 24-7. Uh, Ezekiel's famously known for having this vision of a valley of dry bones in the book of Ezekiel. So if you want to know about what it means to hear God, you want to know what it means to be obedient to God, Ezekiel's a really good person to check out. He does some proper nutty stuff. He, uh, he lies down facing one way for a whole year because God tells him to. So I don't even want to think about the hygiene involved with that. But Ezekiel was a, was a pretty cool guy. He's a pretty amazing prophet. And at this passage today, it's a vision that Ezekiel has of the temple of God. So it's a vision literally of the temple of God in the book of Revelation, but it's also kind of a metaphor for us as a church today. So as we're going through this, just track with me as, this is a, as seeing this as a vision and a metaphor for us as a church. So I'm going to read from my, from my iPad here and just follow me along on the screen up there. So the man brought me, Ezekiel, back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As a man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a 1,000 cubits, that's about 1,700 feet or 530 meters, and they led me through water that was ankle deep, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee-deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? And he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region region, and goes down to the Araba, that's a valley, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. From En Gedi to En Eglame, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healings. So as I mentioned, this river is is a vision of, of a temple to come. that's mentioned in Revelation Uh, Ezekiel the book of Ezekiel is the most referred to uh, kind of book of the Bible in the in the book of Revelation so in the last book of the Bible Ezekiel is a guy that's mentioned the most all his visions of heaven and visions of the world to come Uh, but like I said this is also a metaphor for us as a church this picture of a temple with a river that flows out from it and uh, in the context of Ezekiel writing this passage uh, rivers in the Old Testament were commonly kind of associated with blessing or fertility so rivers would have been a source of kind of uh, blessing and fertility for crops to grow, for animals to kind of graze in, people to bathe in, a source of income for fishermen, a source of, source of wealth for people. And uh, streams and rivers are kind of referred to as a sort of idea of this flowing life in the presence of God. So it's this concept of rivers and this life of God that comes uh, in, in Ezekiel and in the Old Testament. And uh, this passage kind of shows us the blessing that we should have as, as a natural kind of outworking of our work as a church. So as G2, we should be experiencing blessing that goes out. And um, Jesus refers to this passage in John 7. He talks about us as believers, his people that follow him, having rivers of living water, streams of living water, uh, that flow from within them. So we have this blessing, this abundant presence of God that kind of overflows from within us as normal. And uh, this river is a bit of a miracle river when we consider it for, for the people of Israel. Uh, so Israel and uh, en, Englade and and whatever it was, and uh, the Valley of Araba uh, would have been a semi-arid uh, context. So get a bit of geography knowledge on you here. I did get an A-level in it, so I know what I'm talking about. And a uh, semi-arid region is kind of like part desert. There's a bit of life there, not much grows. And uh, for Israel, this, this kind of river, which was getting deeper and deeper at an incredibly quick rate, and seeing kind of abundant life growing through the fish, through the trees, through the fruit on the side, this would have been a miraculous river. It would have provided life for people, refreshing a place to wash, security, fertility for their crops, like I said, jobs for fishermen, that sort of thing. And it's a miraculous river for them in the natural, but also in the spiritual as well. And hydrologically speaking, this river shouldn't, it's impossible for a river to increase at the 1,000 cubits rate that this river does. So it's a, it's a miraculous river in all sense of the word. From a geography standpoint, thank you, A-level, and also in a spiritual sense. In this idea of this healing and refreshing that it brings to the people on the shores, to the environment around it. Uh, there's a word that's used in verse 8-9 for healing, which is rafa. And rapha means to make something healthful, to make something full of health, completely healthy. It's not just like a little bit better, it's completely restored. Completely restoring people, completely restoring the environment around it. This river is miraculous, full of blessing, flourishing, and growth. And it's an incredible metaphor for what our church could be. I want you to picture G2, this four walls of the central Methodist, as being like the temple that we read about at the start of this passage. It's a place of worship, it's a place of real spiritual death, depth, sorry, uh, awkward. And then um, <laughs> we're like to, good to picture ourselves as we kind of go out from this, from this temple into this river, that we're like the swimmers that go out into the water that we go out far away from G2. And it should be that we have our greatest impact the furthest away from the temple. It should be that as the temple, the river that flows from the temple goes further and further out, we see the life coming. We see the animals coming alive. We see the trees bearing fruit. We see people in our lives encountering the presence of God through our just being carriers of that, through us being aware of that where we go. This river gets deeper and deeper and brings more and more blessing the further it is from the temple. And this is our vision for G2 in this year of invitation, that the further we get from this building, the further we go out into our lives, the more we should expect to see and experience the presence of God in our lives, our friendships, our families, our workplaces. And this isn't to discredit this church, this isn't to discredit the 630, the 345. Uh, what I'd like to, to see this as like our diving board. So this is like the place that we get prepared, the place where we get encouraged, refreshed to swim out into the river and experience all God has for us. This place where we come equipped on a Sunday and we bring something to share of our community. We get encouraged and friendships here. We have a laugh together. We work out what it means to discover and follow Jesus. That's our vision as a church. This is a sanctuary of rest and a temple of worship where we get to fix our eyes on Jesus. And like I said, discover and follow him. Charles Spurgeon is a a preacher from the 1800s. And uh, he wrote a sermon on the uh, Ezekiel 47 that I was reading this last week. And I'd like you just to kind of, I'm just going to share a bit of what he said in his sermon. Because I think this is quite interesting for us, thinking about this idea of swimming out into the river. So Charles Spurgeon said, Many people never get beyond that floating period. And they conclude that they are safe. And all is well because they fancy their heads are bobbing above water. But the man who is really taught of God goes on from the floating to the swimming. And swimming is an active exercise. The holy word of God and his gospel are waters to swim in. Many of you know only what it is to float. You're resting in the truth of God for your salvation, but making no advance in heavenly things. Oh beloved, let us learn to swim in those waters, swim in them. Let us learn to trust God in active exertions for the promotion of his kingdom, to trust him in our endeavors to do good. This year of invitation is about us swimming into all God has for us in the places and spaces we occupy throughout our weeks in our workplaces and our offices, in our schools and our universities, in our living rooms around our kitchen tables and on our social media accounts. The challenge to us as carriers of the presence, as swimmers in this living water, is a pretty high bar. It takes quite a lot to do this. And I wanna ask you the question, I wanna ask myself the question as well. Uh, Do our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues, our parents, our followers on social media, our family, the people that we see and spend time with, in our everyday lives, do they see us as people that bring life? Do they see us as people that bear fruit? Do they see us as people that they want to be around because we've got something that they want to know, that we've got something that brings encouragement, that brings life to them? In this year of invitation, this idea of bringing stuff out is a lifestyle for us. It's not just something we're just going to do for 2018 and then forget about. It's something that we want to carry on as a church. We want to be passionate about that influences how we see ourselves, influences how we see our work, our rest time, all that sort of stuff. And as Rosie read earlier, the passage from Matthew 28, uh, Jesus's, uh, some of Jesus' final words to his followers were to go and make disciples of all nations, to help people discover and follow Jesus wherever they are. It's not this idea of coming to us in the kingdom of God, the, version of the definition of invitation that we use is that I'll go to you rather than I get you to come here to me. Obviously, we want to be bringing people to church. Obviously, we want to be inviting people to church. But first and foremost, we've got to go to people. First and foremost, we've got to be people's friends. We've got to spend time with people. And for me, the Year of Invitation will be most effective when we actually spend time with people. Not because we view them as kind of these projects or these targets to rise up the Year of Invitation rankings. Because we actually just want to be friends with people. Because people are normal and we want to be normal people. And we want to spend time with them. The depth of relationship uh, Jesus modeled to us uh, through how he spent time with his followers, through how he spent time with those people that didn't know him, tax collectors and sinners, as the, as the New Testament says, it is an example to us about how we should spend our time. We should be willing to kind of go the extra mile for people, willing to have dinner with people, just share life with people, just do life in a normal way, but aware that we carry this presence of God, that we swim out into the waters and we do these kingdom work, aware of what God's doing in us, aware of his presence of God in us. And um, the year invitation so far, uh, we launched in January, and I've got some stats for us, uh, for the mass geeks among us, myself included in that, uh, just to encourage you about how it's been going, and just actually to say, let's just give ourselves a little pat on the back, because actually, it's been amazing what we've seen so far. So here are some stats for you. Uh, we've seen across, across the different ministry areas, so in students, across different services, kids, youth, whatever, and uh, we reckon we've seen 10 people give their lives to Jesus at least this year, which is amazing. Yeah, we had our baptism celebration service every week. We saw eight people uh, get baptized to make a reaffirmation of baptism of ours. And we've got more baptisms on the way. We've got a baptism service at the end of May. And we know at least three or four that want to do that. Uh, Miriam, we sent Miriam out to Middlesbrough at the start of this year. Uh, she's seen people come to faith. She's seen people kind of come to know Jesus in greater depth. And that's as much as part of our success story and our kind of the value of the year of invitation as it is for what happens in New York because she's part of our community out there in Middlesbrough. Uh, we've given away about 70 of those welcome packs that Rosie mentioned. So we've had about that would, maybe 60, 70 new people in 2018 alone. So we've only met for like 10, 12 weeks in 2018. So that's pretty good, isn't it? I'm uh, pretty happy about that. And uh, we've also seen this kind of increased sense of the uh, presence of God and increased kind of like healings and sort of miraculous stuff happening on a Sunday. So if you remember in the Elijah series, we had a, like, a message about healing and about like God providing miraculous stuff for us. And we've seen more and more of that on the Sundays as well which is really, really encouraging. And uh, what was interesting for me when I was thinking about these stats and I was reflecting on them the other day is that uh, these stats, these numbers, uh, largely speaking, these these aren't numbers. These are people's friends. So these are people that have kind of come to G2 off the back of like genuine friendship and like real depth of connection. So it's not been someone that we've sort of gone off the street and grabbed them in here and like forced them to convert or whatever. These are people that have actually, we've done, people in this community have done life with, have hung out with, have spent time with, have got to know, have understood more and more. It's where the river of life has flowed furthest from the temple that we've seen these people coming in. And for us as a community, this should be our new normal. We should expect to see this sort of thing. We should expect this to be our lifestyle, that we're willing to go out beyond these walls, that we're willing to spend time with people. I've been really encouraged uh, by the story of uh, Hugh. Some of you guys will know Hugh is a second year student here. And last year, Hugh and a bunch of guys, Jesse, Matt and Sammy uh, from G2, went on this thing called Escape and Pray, uh, which some of you will have heard of, some of you will have been on. And Escape and Pray, for those who don't know, is this thing that the student mission charity, Fusion, who I also work for three days a week, uh, organise, where we basically, uh, people pay a certain number of money and uh, give, us a, uh, give, us, give Fusion their passport details, and Fusion book them plane tickets to a mystery European destination, uh, which they find out when they get to the airport. So they go to this city for 48 hours, and they get to pray and bless the city they're in, and kind of just experience all that God has. So it's a pretty nutty faith adventure, a pilgrimage to a foreign city. And uh, Hugh went in it last year, like I said, and uh, they went from sort of Thursday to Saturday. And on the Saturday night, he was sharing with his uh, housemates in his flat um, about what happened, about all the stories. They were asking him questions: How did it go in Vatican City? What was it all about? They met some people here, all this sort of stuff. And um, he finished telling the story at the end of it. Uh, three of his flatmates said to him, "Hugh, this is amazing. Oh, I love this." They were like, "Kind of, can I like maybe come to church with you tomorrow? Can I can can I come to G two tomorrow because?" This sounds pretty, I kind of want to be a part of that. bit of FOMO. They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. They want to be a part of this story. And that's how we should see uh, this church. That's how we should see following Jesus, being a Christian. We should expect to see people inviting themselves because it's exciting to be here. It's a joyful place to be here. It's full of hope, full of life, full of blessing. And the year of invitation should mean that we see people inviting themselves to church. That should be the dream that we hope for. That should be the reality that we long for because what we've got going on here. Is amazing because the God we serve, the God we follow, is up to something, is doing something here. In Christianity, following Jesus isn't just a ticket to heaven. It isn't just a stamp your name on some book and spend, uh, spend your heaven in the clouds rather than in that fiery bit they talk about. Uh, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's an invitation to see and experience heaven here on earth. To experience all that God has for us here. To see healing and blessing. To see fullness of life. To see abundance of blessing. To see hope where a word feels hopeless. To see freedom where a word feels painful. Security where a word feels fearful. And I want to kind of, as we end today, I want to acknowledge that uh, this whole concept of your invitation, uh, for some of us, will be really scary. Because some of us are like, I don't even know if I'm sure about this Jesus guy yet. Some of us will be like, I've asked a million people and they never want to come to church. I've asked a million people to, to be my friends. They actually might not have been my friends. There might be a lot of fear for us in this. And there might be a lot of kind of, Worry that we'll get it wrong or that we'll be embarrassed somewhere. And I just want to just say that's totally okay if that's you, but you don't need to feel that way. You don't need to be scared about what might happen. You don't need to feel that you've got to prove yourself to anyone. You don't need to feel like your value as a human is determined about how well you do with a year of invitation, about how many people you bring to church or how up for it you are when you come on a Sunday. It's not about that at all. It's about us learning to swim in the water. So it's an active decision, swimming, but it's about trusting God, going with the flow, going with the river where he leads us. And the bar for this is high. The bar for the invitation is high. But the grace of God for us is so much higher than the bar that we set ourselves. So we're going to invite the band up and, and sing a few songs at, in, in reflection. And kind of sing some truths about who God is and, and think about some things. And I'd like to encourage you, just as we, as, as we sing, to maybe visualize the, the people and places at which you find yourself in your week. Uh, the people that you come across in your workplaces, your uni, your coffee shops, around your kitchen table, who you have for dinner. Um, who could it be that you need to be kind of making more of an intentional effort with in the weeks and months to come? Or if you actually can't think of anyone, ask God for someone's name or face to pop into your head. And probably someone will. Um, as we worship God, let's stand together and I'll pray for us now. So God, I thank you for this community of people that are gathered here to work out what it means to discover and follow you, Jesus. I thank you that in this year of invitation where we, we feel there's a high bar and there's, there might be expectations or pressures from ourselves or from someone, whatever that's come from, God, we just break that off in your name and we just pray that we would know your freedom, we would know the grace that you have for us that is so sufficient and so vast. And Jesus, as we worship you now, as we fix our eyes on you, would you give us some of the faces and names that we need to be spending time with, some of the people we need to be inviting into this community that we need to be willing to go to, to spend time with, to reach out to, to encourage, to be the people that swim out into the river and take the blessing of of your temple as far as it will go out. So God, would you equip us to be your, your people, your people that swim out far from here and that are gathered together in your community of encouragement and of blessing, God. Amen.